I love beginning the new year with a bar mitzvah. I don't know which one is next out there. I should know, but I don't know yet. But um, maybe we could make that the tradition next year. If you have your bulletins, open them up, take out a little outline. And I want to, if I can, for a few minutes, just share. I always say I like to share. <laughs> I, I'd scare it for me to say I have two messages for you. <laughs> One's usually long enough. But I'd like to give you two, two sh- if I can. And you know I can't, but I'm going to try to give you two short messages. Some of you don't know what a bar or bar mitzvah is. So turn to your neighbor now and say, what is a bar or bar mitzvah? Good, you didn't do that, but I got my drink. <laughs> bar, bar, mitzvah, bar, son, Aramaic word, bat, daughter, daughter of God's commandments. That's when a child in Israel, throughout the world, girls do it at thir- uh, 12, boys at 13. That's when supposedly it's a rite of passage, child growing older. People, actually, I remember one of my teachers in seminary, non-Jewish guy, said, you know, we Gentiles should do that. It's a good thing for a child to get up there. It's, a, it's, a, it's something they can focus in in their life. That's when there's a turning point. Hopefully, there's a turning point. And God, you know, we don't know when the turning point is. God does it gradually throughout the years for each one. You could do it young, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 18. We don't know when God's going to really speak to their hearts tender young hearts as they grow up. So it's a time when they get up here, and in synagogues, boys and girls, young men, women come up, and they say their prayers, and they say, today I'm a man, but I'm not always sure in the regular traditional synagogues they know what they're doing. They're supposed to do that. I did it when I was 13, actually January 21st, 1961. Anyway, so I did that, and, but, but the focus there is more on a party. Parties are fun. I always tell the parents and the children, I don't care what you do for the party. I really don't, as long as I'm there. I don't mind what you do for the party. I don't mind if you don't do a party or anything. The most important thing for Barbara Mitzvah is for that 12, 13-year-old child to get up here and say that the faith that they, their parents taught them is now their own. Now, it might be that day, it might not, but that's what's supposedly supposed to happen. And so the most important part of a bar bat mitzvah is when a child says, I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We in the Messianic congregation say, we believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because of Yeshua, our Messiah, who died for our sins, who was the Passover lamb, the atonement for all of us. He died for us so that by believing in him, I could have a relationship with God. And that's really what a true bar mitzvah is, when that child is supposed to take ownership and say, you know, it, it's, uh, and say it belongs to them. It's not a party, as I said. It's not just our culture, which it is. It's not just sharing our heritage. But like I said, it's a rite of passage. And so what I like to do, if you have your outlines, take them out. Very, if I can, Johnny, I want to talk to you. Don't worry, you don't have to get up and do anything more. You did it all. It was great. But I want to talk to you. And everyone else, you're invited to listen if you want. You just can't talk while I'm talking. But I wanted to share with Johnny. And then I want to share just a few words of what you said also to us. Because when you're up here, everyone looks at you and say, you're cute. 
and that was good, and that was really nice. And you're, but I'm not sure they heard everything you said. But I, so I want to share for a minute. If you have, take out the outlines. First thing I always do is a message to Johnny. And I, and I look at these passages before, a couple weeks before, and try to pick out some characters in the Bible that I want you to be like. Today is a special day for you. And I want you to focus that, and I want you to look back today saying it was a special day. And when the rabbi said to you, I want you to be like some people in the, in the, the Bible. First thing I want you to do, and you can put it in there, I'd like you to be like the good kings of Judah. Those of you who don't know, uh, the kingdom of Israel was once a united kingdom under um, Saul, David, and Solomon. Solomon sinned. God broke the kingdom in half in the nation of Israel almost 3,000 years ago, and God made the Jewish nation two nations in the north, Israel, and the south, Judah. In the north, Israel, they had, in the rest of their history, a certain amount of kings, 19. South Judah, they had 20 more kings. This was after Solomon for hundreds of years. The kings of Israel in the north, 19 of them, the rest of their history. If you like dates, it's from about 920 to 720 in that area, 722. Those 200 years, the next 19 kings in the northern kingdom, not one was good. No, don't leave and say Larry's anti-Semitic. He's against all the Jewish people, all the kingdoms. Um, I, Saul was not a good king. David was a great righteous king. Solomon had a half of a king. He did good and bad. But then after that, for the next 200 years in the north, the nation of Israel never had another good king. 200 years until God took them captive, took them out of the land of Israel, brought Assyrians in, and they, and they took them. Not a good king. In the south, Judah... They lasted a little, another 130 years, so they lasted like 300 years. In Judah, from about 920 to 586, they had 20 kings, and eight of them were recorded as good. Now, don't say I'm making a judgment. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Because some of the kings, it says they did evil and wrong, and they were not right in God's eye. And the other kings, it says they did good and right. And the writer, God used the writer to tell us there were good kings in Judah. So I want you to be like those eight. I'm going to pick three real quick and two other characters. But I want you to write this down. The good kings of Judah. This is what made them good, Johnny. They sought God. They sought God. And I'm saying this. Now you could sit there at the age of 13... 14. At the age of 14, you could sit there and go, good kings, they sought God. I'm a little young. seeking." You could seek God because it tells us how young they were when they sought God and what they did. They sought God. I want you to seek God. They told other people about God. Even those that didn't want to hear about God. Even their slick, cool friends that didn't want to hear about God. They told about God. They, it's hard at 14 to say, I'm going to be different. Because most 14-year-olds are saying, I want to be like. But what you want to be like is God and the good kings. And you want to turn people, even if they make fun of you. You want to be different. You want to seek God. You want to turn people back to God. Real quick, if I can, for a couple of these good kings. One, in Second Chronicles, there was a king by the name of Joash. I like picking the obscure ones that when I say a king's name, you go, what? Who is he? That just means you're not reading the Bible. But first king, I want you to be like here is Joash. This is what I want you to notice. I don't know. We have the verse. Good. I want you to notice this, Johnny. Not everyone else. 
When Joash was how old? Seven. He became king of Israel. Seven-year-old. Became king. When he became king, and he reigned for 40 years. Good long time. That's good length for a king. And then it says in verse 2, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This seven-year-old became king, and from the rest of his life, most of his life, he did, he sought God, and he did what God looked at Joash and said, young man, you're doing good. You're doing right. I like what you're doing. And, that's, and he said here, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but here's the key on this one. All the days of Jehoiada the priest, it just so happens Joash did very good for most of his life. And his spiritual head was the priest who was, his father had been killed, and the priest took care of him like a father. And Joash followed in the faith of that high priest. So at the age of seven, that high priest, like your mom and dad, taught you about God. And Joash, what made him different was he started listening to his mom and dad and to what the priest was telling him. Well, the priest, what the priest was telling him. And he decided he was going to be different than all the other kids. He didn't have to be. So he sought God at the age of seven because of the, he was young, faithful, did what was right, and under godly influence. Second king here with the, under the good kings that I pick is Uzziah. Everyone say it. Uh, yeah, it feels good saying, you know, kings of Israel, their name. Uzziah, look what it says about Uzziah. It says, Uzziah was how old? 16. 16. Two more years. You'll be the king of Shuva. <laughs> You'll ask me. No, no. All right, good. Um, Uzziah will be 16. It was 16 years. When he became king, one kid was seven. The other, see, they're, they're your, your peers. They're your age. They're around what you are. These young people. It's not like the faith is for the old people, you know, these older generation. It's not for us young guys. We got to be cool. No, not this one. Uzziah. He was 16 when he became king, and he reigned 52 years, the second longest in all of Israel. This was a long, started at a young age. 16, he became king. He reigned 52 years. And in verse 4, what does it say? Everyone read verse 4. He did what? Did right. Listen, when you do right, God in heaven is looking down and saying, Johnny, good, you did right. When you do bad, God's saying, mm, not good. God. You don't hear it, but God's making a note when you do right and wrong. When you take the wrong way, God's saying, oh, no, let's get him back in the right way. And how do we get him back in the right way? He listens to his mom and dad and spiritual leaders. You get the list, bruff. Jim, Peggy, you guys the list. These are the people who taught you right. And you got when your friends say, let's do this, you go, no, 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 I'm sorry. I got to follow mom, dad, Peggy, Bruff, Larry, whatever. And, and I got to follow those. And your friends are going to say, no, 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 come with us. And you have to say, mm, no. And they'll make fun of you. That's what makes someone good and right. And God said, this guy, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And it says how long, verse 5, he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah. Again, under the influence of someone over them. It's always, Johnny, someone over them. Because you have to say at 14, I'm not exactly sure everything that's right, so I'm going to look to the right people, the people I valued, the people who taught me right and wrong. 
And so he did what was right in the sight, uh, and he did according to all that his father Amaziah did. He continued to seek God. There's the key again. They're always seeking God. You leave here, I hope you say to your mom and dad, what does it mean to seek God? You know what it means to seek God? At a young age, you start reading what God says to you. People say, I wish God would come down and speak to me. Who here would like to have God speak to you right now? Right now, speak. All right. Uzziah was 16. God just spoke to you. God speaks to you through the word of God. So God, that's how it means to seek God. You seek him by reading his word, by praying, by coming to Shuva, by listening to your, your Shabbat school teachers. This guy sought God. And, and look what it says about him. This is what's very interesting. He sought God, the last part. And as long as he sought God, what happened, everyone? Prosper. Believe it or not, you seek God, you will prosper. Johnny, you seek God, God will bless your life. There's a third one here, my favorite, Josiah, another king. It says, Josiah was, can you tell me how old he was? So we got a seven, a 16-year-old, and eight. So don't tell me faith is just for the old baby boomers who've grown old and the old parents. Faith starts young. You make a commitment at a young age that I'm going to be different. When he was eight, uh, eight years old, he became king. And what did he do, everyone? He, he did right in the sight of the Lord. Just like he walked in the ways of the greatest king, David. You see, Johnny, what these kings did was at a young age, they sought God. They followed the influence of their godly parents, not ungodly people around them. They sought God. And what he did also, it tells us he also cleaned up the temple. He cleaned up, he made the place right where people worshiped God. Teaches me that when you come here, you should worship God. You should worship God during the beginning while Jim's singing with your parents. You should praise God. And all your friends say, nah, 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 come with me. No, you praise God and worship him. And listen to what your teachers have to say. These are the good kings of Israel. But that's the good kings. I want you to be like the good kings. Now, they're a favorite of mine. I want you to be like Daniel. All right, fill it in. A message. Be like Daniel. Daniel, I could say at a young age, he was a teenager. In the land of Israel, and an enemy came in Israel in the year 605, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. He came into his hometown, into his area, destroyed Israel, destroyed the land, and took Daniel, killed probably his parents, took him captive as a teenager, took him to Babylon, hundreds of miles away for the rest of his life, a lonely young teenager. And you know what he did? Alone, he lost his family, his friends, his home, everything. This teenage boy, taken to a foreign land, said, must have had a godly influence, I'm going to still follow God. Could have got angry. Could have said, I lost my family, lost my friends, lost my homeland, lost the temple, lost everything. Daniel said, I'm going to still follow God, no matter what he does or allows in my life. Daniel, chapter 1, it says, Like I said, Daniel had lost everything, but he determined. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food, with the wine that he drank. He sought permission from the commander, and he sought God. He was picked. 
by the enemy, by Nebuchadnezzar. He was picked as one of the choice people. He said, I'm going to give you special food, special drink. I'm going to give you everything special if you don't follow God. And Daniel said, teenager, I'm going to follow God. I'm not going to do it. And God blessed him for it. And people, not just Johnny, every one of us who determines we're going to follow God, no matter what the cost, God will bless your life. He will have his hand on you. Daniel, young man, teenage boy, decided no one is going to take me from God. No one. What's amazing is, uh, and in verse 21, is it? 21? Yeah. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus King. No, we read that and we don't just forget about it. Listen. Daniel was about 15, 16, 17 years old when he was taken captive. In the year 605, years are not, years are important, but a lot of people don't tune out when they hear years. 605 BC. Cyrus, or Darius here, who, which one is it here? The, yeah. Cyrus the king. Cyrus became king in the year 539. So count it. That would be about 61 and five, about 66 years later. 66 years later, he started at 17. 17 and 66, anyone help me? Get out your calculators, okay. 66, 17, it's been a long time since I did math. 83, he started as a teenager and he continued to serve God till he was 83 and older. He determined, but he started when he was your age. Just like the good kings, Uzziah, Josiah, Joash, young age, said, I'm going to be different than everybody else. I'm going to follow God. Daniel did it as a young man, and he served God and didn't let anything anything stop him. Next person, we're going to skip the rest of Daniel. Daniel was a great man of God because he determined he was going to not let anything. I want you to be like, I said first the good kings, then Daniel, and now, like you spoke about, I want you to be like Joseph. Joseph was a great character in the Bible. And Joseph, be like Joseph. I want you to hear, you heard some of his story. Joseph, Genesis 37. Joseph was, how many years old, everyone? 17. 17 years old, young man. I love, that's why I picked these people. I love, it starts young. Now, old people, I could say that because I'm getting up there. But old people, you're not too old to say, I'm going to seek God now. Just don't say, well, my time has passed. It hasn't. God can use you at any age for you to say, you know, from now on, I'm going to serve God. But young people, it starts here. Joseph was 17 when he brought back word. God gave Joseph a vision, gave him a couple of visions. And you know what I like to think from that? That Joseph was special. God has his hand on a 17-year-old. God has his hand on a 14-year-old. And God is saying to you, seek me. Follow the good influence of my parents and my teachers. And I'm going to follow God. And God's going to make you a great man one day. I know that for a fact. Anyone here today says, I am going to follow God. I'm going to determine to follow him, serve him, and do. God will make you great in his eyes. Maybe not in in this world, but in God's eyes, you'll be a success. Joseph was sold by his brothers. He had a dream. I want you to look at uh, Genesis 37, verse 23. 
It came about when Joseph reached his brothers, they stripped him, stripped Joseph of his tunic, favorite colored, very very colored tunic that was on him. They threw him in a pit, and the pit was empty without water, which I've heard some preachers say that could mean a pit in the desert without water could mean what else is in that pit? Maybe some snakes, some scorpions, whatever, you don't know. This is a young man who was sold by his brothers, by people all around him. But he determined he was going to follow God. And it says, they sold him, and they took him down into Egypt. Genesis 39. And it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, lie with me. First, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. He goes down to Egypt as a young man. And he goes there and he becomes in charge of the, a servant of this guy's house. And he becomes in charge of everything. And everything's going good. He's left his family. The brothers have sold him. He's down into Egypt. This poor young kid. He's there in, in Egypt and he's suffering. But he determines he's following God. And God prospers him. Makes him in charge of the Potiphar's house. And he follows him and does good. So what happens? Potiphar's wife looks with him with desire, and says, sleep with me. And he says, no. No one was around. Could have got away with it. Could have been bitter. Sold by his brothers. Lost everything. Down into Egypt. Made in charge. And then Potiphar's wife says, be with me. And he was a young man. He said, no. I'm not going to sin and do this against Potiphar and against God. Young people can make decisions to follow God. It's not easy. I remember when I first started ministry and I was in Chicago, I was in charge of 13, uh, kids 13 years old and under. And one of the 13-year-olds came to me and said, you know, it's not easy to be 13 and follow the Lord. And I felt like saying, it's not easy to be 25 and follow the Lord. And then I would have liked to said to him a few years later, you know, it's not easy to be 40 and follow the Lord. And then today, I will say, it's not easy to be 50 or 60. And follow. It's never easy. Everything is against you. But do you want to start at 14 saying, I'm going to be different. I'm going to change my life as of today. And so Joseph, Joseph decided he wasn't uh, going to follow them. And, it said, and he said there in verse seven, uh, 8, but he refused to be with his master's wife. He said, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house and has put me in charge of everything. There is no one greater in the house, uh, in this house, than I. And he's withheld nothing from me except you, of course, his wife, because you are his wife. How then can I do this evil and sin against God? He determined he was going to be right. And he did. And you know what he got for standing up for God? You know what he got. First, for standing up for God, he was thrown into a pit with snakes. Then he stood up for God, and he's thrown into a dungeon. Sometimes we follow God, and things don't always work out right. In this case, 13 years later, at the age of 30, he was made in charge of all Egypt. There was Pharaoh, and then there was Joseph. Why was Joseph so important? Because he was faithful to God. God had a purpose. When you follow God, when you seek him, you're like the good kings. You follow the people who are spiritual above you. God blesses your life. And he makes you do great things for him. Joseph was made great. And then, when he was made so great, his brothers finally came to him, and he's in charge of all his brothers. I know what I would have done. You bums. 
I'd have gotten back at my brother's good. I said, you sold me to die. You're going to spend some time in a jail here. I'm in charge of all of Egypt. You don't deserve God's grace or mercy. You talked about it. But that's what made him great. He wasn't bitter and angry. At the end, it says, Genesis 50, but Joseph said to his brother, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm okay. He says, uh, as for you, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. In order to bring about the result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. No bitterness. He believed and trusted and served God. Johnny, today, I just wish you could hear me. Most people don't. They got their minds on the party later and on their friends. But if you could be like the good kings of Israel, if you could be like Joash, and Uzziah, and Josiah, who said, no matter what, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to start at a young age. I'm not going to let anyone despise my youth. And I'm going to follow God no matter what. Do good kings. You'd be like Daniel, who is going to stand up for God and not let anything or anyone take him away from God. At a young, all teenagers, when God started with them. I'm going to be like Joseph, that young man, who his 11 brothers sold him into slavery. Who is, he lost his family, went down into Egypt alone. He said, I'm going to still follow God no matter where I go. That's a message for all of us. Don't let anyone or anything rob you. I first became a believer a couple years ago. Does anyone know when? Okay, no, okay, that's okay. January 15th, 1972. And I thought all the believers were perfect and good and wonderful. And every, it was a party every day. And everyone praised the Lord. And everyone sang praises. And everyone loved and gave to each other. And I found out very shortly, it wasn't quite that way. There was anger and bitterness and all. But God gave me a message as a young man. He said, don't let anyone or anything, anyone you think, take you away from God. You need to follow the influence of your parents of your teachers, and say, I'm going to be like the great men of God. What makes someone great and successful is hearing God's voice and following it. That's what makes anyone great. You want to be great in this world, you hear his voice, and I will follow him no matter what. Johnny spoke, quickly if I can, a message from from him. uh, This message, he spoke about Joseph. Joseph reveals and saves his people. It's interesting because Joseph is down into Egypt. He's down there as a, a, sl- a slave. He becomes Ponover's slave, and he's in a dungeon, and he becomes in charge of all Israel. And it's very interesting because Joseph, it doesn't say, and I hate to, and I hesitate to say, it, he seems like he's a type of the Messiah, Joseph. And Joseph, all his brothers came to him the first time, and they didn't recognize him. Then they came back a second time. And they recognized Joseph actually revealed himself to him. He's like Yeshua. The first time Yeshua came, Israel and the Jewish people did not recognize him. They haven't recognized him for 2,000 years. He's coming back. Yeshua's coming back and will reveal himself to the nation of Israel, his brothers. Joseph, it said, then Joseph couldn't, Joseph couldn't control himself anymore before all those who stood by him. And Joseph cried out to his brothers, look, it's me. I, I love that scene. Can you imagine? 
first time they came down, so they had food, and Joseph is rough to his brothers, and he gives them all kinds of tests, and they go, and then they come back, and he gives them more tests and trials, and they're in front of him, and they think they're going to be thrown in jail, they think they're going to be killed, and all of a sudden, imagine, all of a they look at Joseph, and Joseph goes, it's me. What? I thought we killed you, or at least put you in that pit. You went down to Egypt. You're dead. It's me. Touch me. Don't be afraid. I'm here to save you. There's a picture of our Messiah there. Joseph said to him, um, where was I? Yeah, okay. Then Joseph couldn't control himself anymore. And he stood by him and he cried out, have everyone go out. And no other man was there. And Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept with his brothers. He wept loudly that the Egyptians heard it. Pharaoh's house heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? And then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer. Look, examine. It's me. I'm your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. Don't be grieved. And don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here. God sent me here before you to preserve life. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. You see, Joseph was God's man for the hour to save his people. And, God, and you, Joseph revealed himself to his bro- brothers. Yeshua has revealed himself over 2,000 years to us, but he's coming back and will reveal himself to the nation of Israel. Joseph is a type of the Messiah. Yeshua will reveal, and one day, the Bible says, all Israel will hear of, uh, of Yeshua. Joseph re- uh, reveals himself and saves his people. I want you to see this, the picture. Israel will one day recognize their Messiah. Just like Joseph's brothers recognized him when they came down. When they recognized him, they entered into a joyful, happy time with Joseph. One day, Yeshua is coming back, and all of Israel... All Israel, time of tribulation, all Israel will look at Yeshua. It's you? We didn't know for all this time. They will recognize him. One of my favorite passages, Zechariah 12. I will pour out on the house of David and the, house, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me whom they have pierced. All Israel, one day, Yeshua is coming back. They will look upon me whom they pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. They will weep bitterly over him, like the bitter weeping over the firstborn. In that day when Yeshua returns and all Israel recognizes Yeshua, they will mourn and weep. This is the one we rejected for 2,000 years. There will be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning of Hadan Aram in the plains of Megiddo. It's an interesting thing. We're not going to get into it, but that's when the great king Josiah of Israel was killed, premature. And all Israel mourned. And Zechariah is saying, like they mourned for the great king in the past, they're going to mourn. When Yeshua comes back, they're going to realize that we have rejected him for so long. And it says there will be great mourning, every family by itself, mourning. And the Bible seems to teach us that Yeshua will reveal himself to all Israel like Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, the tribes of Israel. Yeshua will one day reveal himself to all of Israel. And it says they will recognize him whom they have pierced. And you know what Israel will say? How, how could we have missed it? How could, who would have believed it? 
that the one who came, we didn't recognize. How did we miss it? And they make a prayer of confession to God in the future. And Israel's going to say, we have the prayer that Israel's going to say. The prayer of confession. When Yeshua comes back, he reveals himself to all his brothers, to the nation of Israel, our Jewish people, and they're going to recognize him. They're going to mourn. And you know what Israel's going to say? Here it is. Who would have believed this message? Israel will say, how could we have missed it? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? We didn't see it. For this one we missed. He grew up like a tender root out of parched ground. He is no stately former majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. How could we have missed it? I'll tell you why. This one, he was despised and rejected by us. That's why they're mourning. They're admitting their weakness, their, their short-sightedness. 2,000 years, for 2,000 years. He was despised and forsaken a man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hid their face. He was despised. We didn't esteem him. Israel's mourning. This is the confession of the nation of Israel. Coming yet in the future. Surely our griefs he took. How did we miss that one? Our Messiah took our suffering. Surely our sorrows he, the one we rejected, he carried. We ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was afflicted by God. We didn't think he was the one. But he would be pierced through. He was pierced through for our sins. Crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging we're, we're healed. All of us are like sheep. We've gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of all of us to fall on him. You see, Yeshua will reveal himself one day to the nation of Israel. Israel will look upon him whom they have pierced. And realize this is the one. That we rejected. Israel will confess, but he was despised. We rejected him. We thought he was smitten of God and afflicted. This was our sin. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he didn't even open his mouth like a lamb that's led to the slaughter, like sheep that's silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. You see, God is telling us what the nation of Israel will one day recognize. It happens today. Many times, you, me, all of us, we talk with Jewish people that don't believe in Yeshua. And we read these verses. And for me, 40-some years ago, it opened my eyes. God did. And I said, oh, he was despised. He's the one. He was rejected. He's the one. He took my sins. He's the one. That's what the nation of Israel, one day in the future, will experience Oppression and judgment. He was taken away, and as for his generation, they considered he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people to whom the stroke was due. He was assigned his grave with wicked men, with rich men in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. There's coming a day when all Israel will recognize this. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. The good pleasure of the Lord is going to prosper in his hand as a result of the anguish of the Messiah's soul. Because Messiah suffered, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many. He will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion with the great. 
He will divide the booty with the strong because he's poured out himself to death. He was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and he interceded for the transgression. You see, like Joseph, Joseph suffered. He was sold down into Egypt. Like Joseph, he was falsely accused. He was put in prison. Until God's time, God brought him out and made him the head of all the world. And the first time his brothers came, they didn't know who he was. The second time they came back, their eyes were opened. Our people did not recognize the Messiah. Throughout 2,000 years, they are more and more. But someday Yeshua is coming back, and all Israel will recognize him. They will mourn for him. And they will say, he was despised for me. He was rejected for me. My sorrows were on him. He took my suffering. He took my punishment. The sins of all of us fell on him. He was oppressed and afflicted for me. Yet he's coming back. And all Israel will recognize him. And then it tells us what will happen. All Israel will be saved. That's at the end time when Yeshua returns. All Israel will be saved. And it says, Romans 11, I don't want you, the great rabbi writes, to be uninformed, brethren, about this mystery so that you'll be wise in your own estimations that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Darkness, blindness has happened to my people for 2,000 years. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in when God will again turn his hand, open Israel's eyes, just like Joseph opened the eyes of his people. Yeshua will open their eyes. They will recognize him. They will confess their sin. And all Israel will be saved. Verse 20, uh, Romans, Romans 11. And so all Israel one day will be saved. Just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. And this is the covenant which I will make with them when I take away their sin. Like Joseph. Like Joseph, Yeshua will reveal himself to his people and they will all be saved. They will recognize Messiah. They will mourn. They will confess their sin. And all Israel one day will be saved. The message to all of us, as Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, they recognized him. And they were delivered and had a great time in Egypt under their brother Joseph. So all those who recognize that Yeshua is the Messiah, who admit that they've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and put their trust in him, the Bible teaches they will be saved and delivered. There's a great parallel between Joseph and Yeshua. Johnny, today, be like Uzziah. Be like Josiah. Be like Joash. Be like Daniel. Be like Joseph. Start as a young man. This is where it starts. Seek God with all your heart. Follow the influence of godly people around you and determine nothing will keep you from God. So that you will be a Joseph opening the eyes of the Jewish people and Gentiles. You will preach and share the good news of Messiah. Who knows? 20 years from now, you might be up here. We don't know. We don't know the one God's going to put up here. But I can assure you, soon it won't be me. Not too soon, but it won't be me. It's a fact. It's inevitable. 
Larry, open your eyes. I will not be here. God's going to raise up someone because, just like he said to Joshua, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. And I will be with you, Joshua, just like I was with Moses. And so God will raise up a new Joseph, a new Joshua. Johnny, it could be you. Or he'll have something else for you. But God could use you like Joseph to open up the eyes of our people. All today who recognize, who confess their sin, who put their trust in Messiah, will be saved. All who accept and trust him. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father God, bar mitzvahs are fun. Lord, what's greater is that you're in charge of the bar mitzvah and that you're in charge of everything we do here today. I love looking at the good kings of Israel. I love looking at the young man that you took and changed. I was already old at 24. But God can start young with young people. And our heart's desire and prayer is that we might see you raise up our people here from Shuva to do something great, either within Shuva or out there in the world, that you might raise up Joseph's and Daniel's and Ruth's and Esther's and Deborah's and great men and women of God to do the work of God. We thank you today. We want to commit to you what we've heard from you. We thank you for this special, special occasion. We ask it all in Yeshua's name. Amen.